Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope They Hear This podcast, and we have returning guest Selena Ching, who is a friend of the podcast. She's been on several times before, and we get to talk to her about the COVID-19 pandemic, and she brings a very unique and special uh, perspective because she is a nurse who takes care of COVID-19 positive patients at her hospital. So we get to talk to her about what's going on in the hospitals, how she's doing personally, and just mentally and emotionally, and physically even. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoy, and thanks for tuning in. Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast, and we have a returning guest, uh, Miss Selena Chang. Hi. Hello. Um, and okay, so just uh, full disclosure, I stopped the recording like two minutes into it because I had to set up something. But the first time around, there were, we could see the balloons in the background, we, which we cannot anymore. But uh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you recently celebrated something, right? Yeah, it was my birthday. Woo woo! I turned twenty six. <laughs> and the question that you were in the middle of answering before I had to cut you off was, uh, how how was it kind of you know celebrating your birthday? Because I'm assuming this is your first birthday that you celebrated while on lockdown and on quarantine, right? Yeah, it was actually really fun. Um, first, it started off, well, I didn't know so many people were going to be coming over to drop off stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Connor knew because a lot of people texted Connor to tell them that he was they were going to drop off um, gifts and cupcakes and cake and donuts. And um, so the entire day from noon till literally like... 9 p.m. someone was dropping something off and in between the times um connor and i would just like we were so exhausted from all the (laughs) from all the people coming by we would just like sit in silence and just wait till the next person came (laughs) Um, but it was super fun and it was just good to like see people's faces and catch up with people from six feet away and um, i felt super loved and at the end of the day um Connor set up this Zoom call with all my best girlfriends Mm -hmm. and all my girlfriends just spent the time encouraging me, which was super uncomfortable, but also really amazing. (laughs) Wow. So was it like people kind of took turns just saying, giving you an encouraging word? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just being like how thankful they are or what I've done to, I don't know. They were just super encouraging and they actually recorded it on Zoom so that um, I could see it later because I was really overwhelmed. Mm, oh, yeah. And that's that's I'm, I'm really glad that uh, you were able to celebrate your birthday that that way, um, especially because for those of the listeners who do not know, uh, Selena is a nurse. She is. Well, I've, I think I've mentioned you in almost every single one of my podcasts in <laughs> the recent three weeks because I'm always like, giving you a shout out. Um, and, and it's because you're not only are you a nurse, um, but you are actually part of the COVID team at your hospital, right? Yeah. So it's such a funny story. So the first day that I had to work with COVID patients, I didn't know that I had to work with COVID patients and, um, they hadn't ruled out any like official policies or like they haven't put in things in place for the nurses to go through Um, training in order to understand how we should be taking care of them and all this stuff it was only like specific people on the unit that knew those policies and procedures and I got floated so my normally I'm I'm on a cardiac surgical unit and I that day that I first that I um, first took care of COVID patients I was floated to this floor this like random med surge floor and I had five patients, which is insane because um, the load that I was that I received on my shift was so heavy. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even remember exactly what happened, but I remember I had one patient on restraints. Um, I had another person that was confused and I had another one that couldn't walk or he had like an amputated leg and he was peeing all over the floor. Like it was it was one of the worst days I had in so long. Um, and then on top of that, three of them were uh, PUI patients, which is per- persons under investigation, which means that we were waiting for their COVID results to come back. So we, oh, wow. so I had to like wear um, the 
all my protection equipment. And then... Um, so when you say that you floated to that floor, does that mean that you were... Does that mean you were just kind of floating to a different unit? Is that yeah. What the, so what okay. was happening at that time, this was about... I think this was two months ago. It must have been some. It was like right when this was all happening. Mm-hmm. Um, they started stopping the elective cardiac surgeries and Mm. so we stopped getting a lot of patients so because my floor was decreasing in the number of patients um, they didn't need as many nurses so they would send our nurses to be floated to other floors um, to help other needs in the hospital oh wow so let me ask you something oh sorry just one question about because what i've read and heard a lot is that even though this pandemic is going crazy, there are a lot of nurses being told to go home um, or like laid off because these elective surgeries aren't happening anymore. Did, did you have you seen any of that happening in your hospital or are all the nurses supporting, you know, car, those those departments that aren't. I don't know, essential being right utilized. now, no, are they yeah. right? Are, are they are they just being loaned to the covid units? Yeah, so. Okay, so let me just tell you how this all went down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, so after that one shift where I was floated, um, the next day I came back and our um, acute care specialty director came down to our floor during shift change and she said, all right, guys, she was talking to my unit, 2 South. This is our cardiac surgi- or cardiac surgical unit. And she said that... Our floor was going to be the first floor to be designated as the COVID-19 unit. So all of the COVID patients would be coming to our floor now. So our whole unit would be um, all isolation and they locked our doors. So you have to have a badge to get in. And um, we had no visitors. Like everything was basically shut down to the point where like they wanted to train our nurses to um, do all the IV sticks, do all the blood draws, um, clean the rooms for the environmental specialty people and um they minimized the amount of staff that was coming in so that morning when he they announced that everyone's faces like dropped we were all like we were so scared <laughs> because wow. we were the first first of all like we aren't a, a normally a med surge floor so we don't usually see that many people who are confused or who have like lots of comorbidities it's usually just like someone comes in has a heart attack has to get heart surgery i know it doesn't i mean that sounds pretty bad too but um Mm -hmm. there's like we see a very niche group of um people and um yeah all of our faces we were just silent for like 10 minutes as they were just describing how things were gonna go from now on and how the reason why they chose our unit was because um, they can transform the rooms to ICU rooms. And it was just, it was, I almost started crying <laughs> because nobody wanted to volunteer. Um, mm. But eventually they didn't even ask for volunteers. All of us just ended up having to be part of the unit. So all that to say, to answer your original question, um, the personal protective equipment por- portion of it it there we have these things called buddies and i don't think they have this on um in every hospital but this is just how emory has been doing it um they basically have these buddies to help us don our protective equipment and then doff our protective equipment um because we've had a lot of nurses and doctors and um respiratory therapists and physical therapists like Every care team, there has been an issue with someone going into a patient's room without having the correct protective equipment on, um, Mm -hmm. putting them in danger of getting COVID. So we have this policy where you have to, and obviously if there's an emergency or if there's something going on and you have to get into the patient's room quickly and you don't have a buddy, like you can go into the room and just make sure you have everything on. But most of the time we try to have our buddies look at us, make sure we have everything on before we enter the room and then come out of the room appropriately so that we're not contaminating um, the nurse's station and the hallways and things like that. Mm. And then on top of that, we have people who are cleaning the nurse's station and everything. So 
every four hours we're um, constantly cleaning high touch surfaces like doorknobs um tables um the computers the phones um anything that's a lot that a lot of people access we're constantly cleaning that but since the nurses are busy we have um, buddies who do that too so different one of the things that i've seen is a lot of physical therapists um, have been doing that for us because their caseload is not as big right now and then um, a lot of people in like sur- uh, pre-surgical areas like the PACU or this place called ARU now that I'm saying that I can't remember what it's exactly called uh, <laughs> but the, like the there are certain areas of the hospital where they're just not needed right now um, mm-hmm. and so they'll be redeployed to different areas of the hospital. Um, some of them just get stuck like, like, uh, so in the front, we, when people enter into the hospital, you have to have a badge in order to get in. Um, so visitors obviously cannot get in. Um, sometimes the physical therapists are redeployed to the front of the hospital to act as security. Um, yeah. So that's how they're like trying to help people maintain their hours, um, so that they don't have to use their PTO and so that they don't have to be laid off. Um, mm. But there's a one exception. So there's this thing called Emory Staffing Pool, and they don't have PTO, but they get paid more than us um, hourly, and they don't have like any benefits or anything like that. They just come work hourly, and they come kind of like on an as-needed basis. But since there's not really a huge need for them, um, I personally know a couple e- ESP nurses and they told me that they keep getting called off and they don't they don't have PTO to rely on. So if they don't work, then they don't get paid. Um, so I've definitely seen that happen. But again, Emory has actually been doing a really good job of taking care of the Emory staffing pool as well by using them as buddies and redeploying them. Instead of them acting as nurses, they'll just have to um, kind of do other activities in the hospital that um, need support. Gotcha. So in order to mitigate the the layoffs, to lessen it as much as possible, they're just being deployed to, even if it's not directly being a nurse for these COVID patients, there are other things that need to be done. So they're, they're being deployed there, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, wow. So then... When you describe the five people that you met on your first day, they all sound like, so are they in the hospital because of COVID or were they in the hospital for other things, but they were just sequestered to a different area because they had the potential to have COVID? Uh, okay, so the floor that I got floated to, mm-hmm. It is, it's like a med surge floor. So if they don't meet the criteria of other areas of the hospital, like, um, like cardiology or like orthopedics or anything like that, usually the people that end up there are people who have like the flu or, um, who have, or who are like septic and they have to get antibiotics or someone who has pneumonia. Um, those kinds of people kind of get go to the med surge for, um, it's kind of like a catch-all unit. Um, so even if like, if let's say other areas of the, f- other areas of the hospital are full, then they'll just go to the med surge for. Mm. So because it's kind of like a catch-all unit, um, the patients that I had, they may have been there for another reason, but they may have been showing signs of COVID. So they were, uh, they were tested for it. And then because they were tested for it, they were considered a PUI, which is again persons oh. under investigation. So, mm-hmm. um, so three of them were PUIs, and then the other two were just like they were they were, they had other issues going on. Gotcha, gotcha. So then, for you right now, are you're still part of the COVID team, right? Yeah. So my unit now, not mm-hmm. the unit that I floated to, but mm-hmm. the home unit that I'm normally at, um, it's all COVID patients. And then if they come, if their testing comes back negative, they're immediately transferred to another floor because we're trying to um, isolate all the COVID patients into one unit. But um, since our unit opened, three other units have opened as well. Wow. And so so have you, have you had any COVID positive patients in your unit? 
They're all COVID positive patients. Oh, oh yeah, 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 okay, yeah. gotcha. So, yeah. so as soon as they they're okay, that that's when you move them. Gotcha, gotcha. Wow. So then, like, how does that play like mentally? Like, how does that affect you like emotionally and mentally? Knowing that every day you go into work, you are potentially risking getting you know the coronavirus. Um. Yeah, I cried the first day. <laughs> I cried um, when they told us that we were going to be a COVID unit, not because I was scared of the virus, but because like I was, I think I was just overwhelmed because I had a bad day when I floated and then they were telling us that we're going to become the new COVID unit. And usually, so just so you guys understand kind of like how the hospital works, um, usually if there's someone on isolation, the nurse has no more than one person like um, on isolation. So let's say you have three patients, mm-hmm. um, three or four patients, you'll only ever have one person maybe on isolation for some reason, um, because they usually try to disperse it between the nurses. So like, let's say we have like four people on isolation in the unit, then like each nurse will get one isolation patient so that we're not, cause the, cause the process of donning and doffing is a little, um, tedious and it takes a little bit more time so it would be unfair for a nurse to have more than one isolation patient but now they're asking for all of our patients to be on isolation um and so our nurse to patient ratio went from four to one four patients to one nurse to two patients to one nurse which was like unheard of like um i believe in new york this is what i heard i heard that one nurse in the beginning of the in the beginning of all of this one nurse would take care of 25 patients on their own wow and that's why there's these scary stories coming out of new york where um the nurses feel like they're just they're not taking care of their patients and literally have used the words like murder and like um like it's basically a death sentence going into the hospital um i think it's gotten better now because a lot of nurses volunteered to go to new york um i heard at one point it was like for a while, it was 12 patients to one nurse. Um, I think the 25 was an extreme case, but mm-hmm. I think the norm there was 12 patients to one nurse. Um, but they have gotten a lot more support um, now. But mentally, I think what was messing me up was when you go into the hospital, it already feels dirty. Like, I've never gone into the hospital and I'm like, oh, this is a clean place. Like, I... I when I go to work, like, I know that there's probably germs everywhere. Um, Mm. but now that like, and like, you can't see it. That's what's so, um, that's what's, that's like the hard part. Like, I'm like, if I touch this, does this mean I'm going to get it? (laughs) Or like, if I'm going to the elevator, I don't use my finger anymore to push the buttons. I use my elbow. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then if I like need to open a door, I never use my hand. I always use like my arm or something like that. Um, so I definitely am just more conscious of like what I'm touching, what I'm cleaning. And um, the hard part is, is when I come home and I don't like, let's say I'm asymptomatic. Like I just mentally, it, I had to get over the barrier of thinking that I probably was going to give it to Connor, who's my husband. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think that's what I was scared about the most was like giving it to Connor. But then at the same time, like it wouldn't be realistic for me to quarantine myself for however many months when we're living in the same space with each other. Right. So we just had to make that decision together because it's not like I can just cook food and then eat on this side of the table and like live in a different bed. I don't know. Yeah. It just wasn't. And because most of the people who quarantine themselves, it's they just do it for two weeks, right? Because they think they might have gotten it and they quarantine yeah. themselves for two weeks. And then after the two weeks, it's like, oh, I'm all better or I'm allowed to like talk to you and interact with you. But for you, because you're constantly in, you know, the presence of people who have COVID, like you never know when it, the virus might have entered your body or your system, right? Yeah. And wow. we've had, I've already, I think we had three nurses on our floor that got it. And then there were wow. um, 
some other nurses, I don't know about the other units, but I do know another nurse on another unit who um, got it as well. So I don't know if they got it from the hospital or if they got it elsewhere, but it's just, I definitely go into work thinking this could be the day. <laughs> so what happens when a nurse gets it? Do they do they have, get hospitalized? Do they go home? Or like, what's the procedure there? They just... Um, so if you start noticing symptoms, they tell you to call our COVID hotline and our COVID. So and then they tell you, they tell ask about your symptoms and like kind of figure out whether or not you should be tested. Um, but they've been really lenient for the employees. So we just go ahead and get tested. And then um, if we come back positive, then we have to, I believe we have to stay home and not work until... Is it five or seven days? So we have to be not showing symptoms for like five or seven days or something like that. Mm. I don't remember. <laughs> um, and then once you have stopped showing symptoms for a while, then you, um, I believe you call the COVID hotline again, and then they have to clear you to come back to work. Wow. Usually the, takes and, about two to three weeks. Gotcha. Do you feel like you guys as a as nurses, do you guys have enough protective equipment to keep you guys from getting the virus or have you guys seen any shortages or anything like that well there there have been shortages but in comparison to like what we've seen on the news with new york i don't even feel like i have the right to complain um but normally in a normal situation those n95 masks that everyone talks about are supposed to be used once. Like you're not supposed to use it more than one time. Mm -hmm. But now our policy is to use it, to use one for a full week. So to be, for it to be used for three shifts. Wow. Um, and honestly, like, I guess it's working cause I'm not sick, but at the same time, <laughs> like it has worked for sure. But at mm -hmm. the same time, like, if the droplets, if they sneeze or cough, if the droplets get onto my mask and then I have to take it off and put it in this brown bag, then it can definitely contaminate the brown bag. And then as I'm picking it up for to put it back on, I could be contaminating my face as I'm putting it on. Oh, wow. So there's definitely like, I can see how I could contamin contaminate myself very quickly and easily. But at the same time, we have a face shield as well. So um, the face shield, if someone coughs, it's going to hit the face shield before it hits my mask. So um, it's it's okay. I mean, in Georgia, it's okay. It's not like to the point where I feel like we um, it's unsafe. Gotcha. Just so, not so ideal. You talked right, right. So you, you talked about a few things um, that some of the hardships that you're going through, you know, like mental and like anxiety and being having to you know look after these patients um, that aren't ideal. So, uh, I mean, you could you could include all of these in the list if you want. But what are some of the hardest things about the transition from going to from like a cardiac unit nurse to suddenly having to deal with and take care of COVID patients? So on our unit, um, the nurses are now required to do the IV, IV sticks, like I said before. So usually we have an IV team. So if we need an IV, we just call the team and then they um, put an IV for us. And then we usually have a phlebotomist who draws blood for us. Um, and we usually have, um, environmental services who cleans the rooms for us and gets our trash and all this stuff and then cleans down our floors. I think the hardest part about transitioning is the amount of time that we spend in the rooms and then having, and then the, the, a lot of the patients on our floor have a lot of comorbidities. And the reason why is. I arguably my floor is probably the hardest COVID floor to work on because we have um, these dialysis 
water port things in our rooms where the patients can get dialysis in the rooms instead of having to be transported trans, transported to the dialysis floor. So all patients who are COVID positive and who are on dialysis come to our unit. Now, if they're on dialysis, that means they have chronic kidney disease. And if they have chronic kidney disease, they probably have other comorbidities on top of that, like diabetes, heart failure, um, who knows what else, mm-hmm. um, hyperlipidemia, CAD. They probably have a lot of stuff going on. And, um, and we've seen that a lot of these patients are so sick because they not only need dialysis, but they, um, they are, they have this virus that is affecting their lungs and their respiratory system, and they are deteriorating pretty quickly. So what's the reason why I brought up the, like the nurses having to learn these new skills and then also having to deal with the, um, high acuity of these patients is because those two combined makes us have to be in the rooms for like one or two hours when normally we're usually only in a patient's room for about 20 to 30 minutes at a time. Wow. So, but, and and on top of that, we have this like life sucking mask that you can't even breathe in. (laughs) And you have this like huge face shield and this gown over you. So you're like sweating and, um, I mean, literally last week I was charge nurse and, or this past week on Monday, I was the charge nurse for our unit and, um, the chargers just don't have any patients, but we kind of help the rest of the floor out. Mm-hmm. I was in this patient's room with another nurse for two hours because he, um, he was having a lot of issues. There was a lot of issues with, um, his feeding tube. He had like a, um, Dobhoff, which is like a a tube that goes through your nose and down to your stomach um, because he was confused and he was having swallowing issues. Um, He was on restraints. He was on, he had mittens on and then he had soft wrist restraints and he kept trying to pull everything off. Um, He had to get blood because his hemoglobin was really low and um, he, he, thankfully he wasn't having any trouble breathing. So he was actually just on room air. He didn't need any oxygen needs. Mm. Um, but it was just the combination of like everything that was going on with this patient. And um, it was like five o'clock and it's almost time where we're trying to get things all settled so that we can get ready for a shift report. And um, the doctor just started having us do all this stuff for this patient. And um, you just you just get stuck in these rooms for hours on end because you have to do all these things for them. Um, we had to draw blood during that time. We had to draw blood and give him a new IV. So yeah, it's just, there's a lot of stuff that there's like a lot of things that like we normally used to not have to do. And then there's a lot of things that like, um, there are a lot of comorbidities that these patients have, um, specifically because they're on our floor, because we have the, um, access to those dialysis ports in our rooms. Um, I don't know about other floors. Uh, I'm sure that there are some other COVID units have these kinds of patients too, but um, I think our floor is definitely special because of the high acuity of all of these patients. Wow. So not, not only do you have to learn all these new skills and use them every day, but just employing those new skills increases your likelihood of possibly getting the, getting the virus, right? So you're saying, is it the actual learning of the new skills that's the most difficult or just the extended amount of time that you have to spend with your patients? That's I think it's, I think it's like the combination of having to utilize those new skills and also mm-hmm. take care of a high acuity patient on top of the, um, how fast a patient can deteriorate from this. Oh, gotcha. Wow. So have you guys seen any, so all the patients that you deal with are COVID positive. Have you seen any of them kind of, you know, I don't know how to put this delicately, but have you had patients that, you know, lost the battle against COVID? So we have, Hmm. but also they are, it's not just because of COVID. 
like I said, on my unit, we have patients who have a lot of things going on, a lot of comorbidities, a lot of already known health problems, and kind of basically COVID kind of pushed them over the edge, I would say. I see. Um, I don't think, because I think like, you know, if if some, most of the people who are getting COVID, who are, are who have been healthy, who are young, um, they are, they're able to get over it within two weeks and go about their lives. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've seen deaths and we've seen, I've seen a lot of patients go to the ICU because my, my unit's not an ICU. So once we start to see them deteriorate, we immediately send them to the ICU. But um, yeah, I think that, I think the reason why we're seeing deaths and things like that is because of um, underlying health issues that have already been there. Gotcha. But it's, it's that the complicated, I mean, the, the issues that complicate their health issues on top of what they already have is the fact that, you know, their, the breathing abilities start to deteriorate because of COVID. Is that what yeah. it is? Yeah. Gotcha. And so like any respiratory virus can do this. So like if you just, and I think I've, I still have a lot more. I really believe that like, if you have information about COVID, it should be evidence-based and it should be highly researched. So I don't want to say anything that like is not correct. Um, but what we've seen with COVID patients is that a lot of them who end up in the hospital have gotten pneumonia and the effects of having pneumonia is what's causing them to feel like start to feel the effects of COVID having like these breathing issues and things like that. Um, almost every single patient that we've had on our floor has had a positive COVID and then their chest x-ray is showing really bad pneumonia. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Are, are they, are they related? Like can COVID having COVID like, increase the likelihood that you'll get pneumonia or are they yeah for sure so it's like for every respiratory virus like pneumonias can be like a consequence of any kind of respiratory virus um or a bacterial a bacterial infection um Hmm. so yeah that it's just a complication of covid gotcha so i want to ask a a a question um because you were on I forget how long ago, but you were on with your husband on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, I want to say it was right before uh, COVID-19 started getting really bad. Um, Yeah. And I remember saying, so what do you guys think about this coronavirus? And your response at the time was, it's kind of ironic because you you were like, oh, it's it's just like the flu. It's it's not a big deal, right? Um, And so do you do you feel like now that you're in the middle of it kind of because what we see in the news obviously it's it's really bad because people don't have i mean there's no vaccine so it's and it's spreading really quickly so all of that and it's making all of us scared but kind of looking at it firsthand you know having dealt with people who might have had other respiratory illnesses do you still feel like covid19 is kind of -of run-of-the-mill respiratory illness or is there something different about it? So I think, I think I had a poor understanding of the flu as well. And I think a lot mm. of Americans have a poor understanding of the flu too. Um, Interesting. I do think it's worse than the flu. I'll say that. Mm. Um, but I think that I was, so I was talking to a nurse um, who was, who was an ED nurse and she was just telling me about flu season and I was blown away. She said, it's like, it's, like a war zone because if you think about like the amount of cases the flu brings in in comparison to how many cases the covid brought in for georgia um flu for sure wins out but Mm -hmm. um but so she was explaining like the flu season to me because she works at a she worked at a different hospital and she says that people are lined up outside of the hospital sometimes um in the ed Mm -hmm because of the flu. And I'm like, we're not even seeing that for COVID right now. Um, And I think a lot of it has to do with how we're 
ramping up on safety practices and like making sure that we're social distancing and making sure that like we're not spreading this disease any further than it already has which is amazing and which is like it's really um wise of georgia um so i don't remember why i'm saying this (laughs) no because you were saying how um previously you didn't have a full understanding of what the flu was like right 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 so Mm. I, i think that because I'm seeing COVID firsthand and because I wasn't, because as a cardiac nurse, I never really saw the flu much. I didn't really, Mm. I wasn't really like engaged with what was going on with the flu and how it affects, um, how it affects patients and things like that. But I'm seeing firsthand what's going on with COVID patients. So I think it's just hard for me to make a good, um, comparison to, flu patients versus COVID patients. But I will say I was for sure like, I think I was brushing it off because it hadn't hit Georgia yet. Or like maybe it hit Georgia and there was like one person. Um, But I think I was, I wasn't like realizing how quickly it could spread and that we would be in the same position that like Wuhan is in, Mm. Um, especially for New York, you know? Yeah. Yeah, in New York, I think it's a whole different story because one thing I recently read is funeral homes. There's so many bodies coming in and they don't know what to do with it. Yeah, they're literally renting out U-Haul trucks to store the bodies in the U-Haul trucks until they can get to it. It's so crazy. Yeah. So we're so lucky that it isn't like that here in in Georgia, but definitely need to be praying for, for New York. Um, yeah, I, I have you heard about the number of cases in New York? Is it going down at all? Or I heard it's decreasing. Um, okay. And I heard the hospitals are getting better, too. Um, yeah. Like things in the hospitals are a little bit more uh, manageable. But I've also heard crazy horror stories about nurses in the hospital in New York. Like I can't I mean, they're getting paid a lot of money and they should be because they are walking into pretty much they're walking into taking care of patients and then getting COVID the next day. Like that's, that's just the reality. Mm. And they, like we had a nurse volunteer to go to New York. I mean, volunteer plus have the extra money, Um, but to go to New York and to help out. And she texted us back and she was like, I regret this decision. I shouldn't have come. And then she actually ended up getting COVID. And then she's now she's stuck in New York for however many weeks. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So you actually personally know people who went to New York? Well, it was like a nurse on another floor who I heard about. Um, and they, she didn't text me specifically, but she's texted our like, um, higher ups. And then they were telling, telling us about it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So do you, for for you, do you know in your hospital when they're going to start opening up to other like units again? So meaning, do you kind of know the end date for when you ha- can move off of the COVID unit? Um, so they're in the talks right now of opening up different units, but they don't know when. So my unit's probably going to be the last to go. It's going to be the first one to open and the last to go <laughs> mm. because um, we have three cardiac units on our floor. So one is shut down, one is being used as a COVID unit, and then one is using it as a catch-all cardiac unit. Um, So they're going to probably be fine with opening up the other unit and then having all the cardiac patients be there. Um, So I don't really know when they're going to close down the COVID unit, to be honest. Hmm. And I'm a little nervous about it because... If I continue to work on this unit, then I can't go to church. I can't hang out with people. Like, let's say people start hanging out with um, their friends and they start going back to church and they start um, having hangouts and game nights and all that stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. I genuinely would not be comfortable interacting with anybody until I'm done working on the COVID unit because I'm literally being exposed or maybe I'm not being exposed, but I'm be, I'm having to take care of these patients, and I may be exposed, and right, I wouldn't right. know until I until it's like given it's until symptoms start to show. Mm-hmm. 
And feel free to not answer this question if you want, because it's kind of sensitive. But are you being compensated for being on this COVID unit or is your pay just the same? Um, no, they're compensating us. But okay, good, it's good. like, it's also indefinite. Like, they aren't using it as like, oh, they aren't. So there's this thing called hazard pay, but mm-hmm. we they don't want to call it that because because this pay may not, may be cut off at some point. It was actually supposed to be cut off um, in May, like May 1st, but they decided yeah. to keep it going. Um, but yeah. I don't know when it's going to like stop. So it was only supposed to be for a certain period of time. Yeah. No, I'm glad to hear that because one of the things that I'm seeing a lot, a comment that a lot of people have been making is, hey, let's, let's stop just calling these people, these frontline workers, heroes, and let's actually you know, do something to compensate them for what they're doing. And yeah, so I do think I agree and I'm glad to see that there is some sort of compensation um, in place for you guys. But also the fact that you don't know when it's going to end, that must weigh pretty heavy on your heart, right? Right now it's okay. But as soon as I start Mm -hmm. feeling FOMO, for sure, it's going to weigh heavy on my heart. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's okay yeah. right now because nobody else is hanging out. So I'm right. okay. Like it's all good. <laughs> but I think like I think once things start picking up, I'm going to feel like like I'm genuinely going to feel weird when our church starts gathering and um like I'm supposed to be a leader, you know. I don't want to be I don't want to just be like I don't want to be seen as not courageous enough to come out you know or and i know people won't see me that way at all um but i don't know i i think fomo was for sure real and two like yeah it is scary not to know when it's gonna end Mm. yeah but on the bright side of things though have you been because you look at some of the news stories across the nation a lot of nurses a lot of hospitals are you know, like food being sent, you know, um, PPEs being sent and all that kind of stuff. Have you seen and witnessed or experienced any of that? It's been amazing. (laughs) (laughs) It's the best. Every shift that I come on to, there's something new happening or something new that's being given to me. Um, It's it's literally the best. I've never felt so supported and and encouraged. Um, I mean, one time... The, I think it was the Hawks, Emory. It was like a compilation of a bunch of different companies. Mm-hmm. They like gave us these brown bags to take home. And they were like five course meals. It was amazing. It was like, and it was good food. Wow. It was like salad, um, Italian meatballs, um, like this cheese and like veggie thing. And then like dessert. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we've definitely seen a lot of support and um even like the patients, I had this one patient randomly like call this pizza joint. And um, so the way that things get delivered is it it's delivered to our main lobby. And then they call our unit to say that there's something there to be picked up. I got this call and they were like, oh, someone dropped off pizza for you guys. And I was like, what? And so I picked it up and I found out it was my patient who mm-hmm. who had given it to us. So... Yeah, we're getting a lot of support and I've been getting so much free stuff from Instagram. <laughs> and I got McDonald's almost every single day the other week. And I got free Krispy Kreme. What else? <laughs> it's been amazing. It's been so good. Um, and then, you know, Christina um, from The Collective Effect, she yeah. like she gathered a bunch of people to give money for um, surgical masks and things like that. And we've gotten like over 700 masks even from just her alone um like wow. rallying rallying our community and like asking for donations and um it's just been really awesome to be supported in that way hmm. that's good is there do you feel like that is different from the amount of kind of societal support that you received before all of this happened it's like completely different. <laughs> I think it's I think that like people have this idea that like nurses are um that nurses like being 
having a nursing profession is a special thing for sure. Like I think that people recognize the amount of work it takes to be a nurse, but I don't think people realize like um, what kind of work we actually do on a day to day. And I think that, um, I don't know, it's our job. So I don't really expect to be like poured into in this way constantly and all the time. Mm. So Mm. it's definitely different, but I'm not like, upset about it i'm not like um butthurt about it <laughs> okay yeah because yeah I, I i think it's it's interesting when you come across a situation where you f- realize how essential someone who you've kind of just taken for granted is and i always think about i wonder if i show appreciation now will they feel like i'm only doing it because i'm you know in a position where I need them and mm. like, how, how are they going to take it? Right. So for you as a nurse, I was just wondering how you were taking the fact, cause really the reason why all, all these free things are being given to you is because they recognize that you guys are fighting on the front line and they don't want to be on the front line, you know, fighting the fight that you're fighting. Right. Not only yeah. do they not want to be fighting it, they, they can't fight it because yeah. they don't have the proper skill sets. Yeah. So, uh i'm glad though that you don't you're not taking it in like a negative way because yeah that would be i mean i'm sure that just speaks more to your character than anything and that you have a good personality (laughs) but yes sorry did you have something to say i was just gonna say i think it just it's because everyone is being affected by it personally like Hmm. every single person is being affected by covid whether or Hmm. not they've gotten it And I think that's the reason why people are being so appreciative because like when I see family members, like, let's say like, like even like your dad, right. When something was, when, um, your something happened with your dad, your dad had a heart heart attack, heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. Like when something like that happens personally to your family and you see like the nurses and the doctors working for your family member, Mm -hmm. it's affecting you personally. So it's, it's natural to have gratitude in that way. So yes, we would get like donuts and like pizza and whatever and crackers and whatever from like people personally, um, family members who like are really just grateful. Um, but the fact that it's hitting every single person who knows about COVID personally right now, um, I think that's the reason why we're seeing such a huge influx of like appreciation on top of the yeah. fact that they they recognize that like we're putting our lives on the line by going into work. Yeah. I just hope that this continues. I, I'm hoping, I mean, I've had two episodes in the past where it, the title was, I hope people, you know, hear like hospital patients hear about, you know, how much work and sacrifices that nurses have to make, right? With you and another time with Nicole. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that, because really, like you were talking about before with the flu, with any other disease or illness, it's not really different for the nurses, right? You know, there you guys. Whenever you uh, take care of a, a patient who has something that is contagious, you're putting yourself at risk for forgetting something, right? So, right, right. I'm hoping that people, their eyes are open now, but I'm hoping that they won't close their eyes to it in the future, and that they'll continue to see what great value, um, yeah, nurses add to our society, and that they continue to show this appreciation. So, yeah. Um, I want to ask you kind of a controversial, I don't know, this might be controversial, it might not be, but I want to ask your opinion about Georgia opening back up because at the time of recording, it's been around a week, a week and a half since Governor Kemp said, you know, these uh, businesses can open up with certain precautions, right? As a nurse, do you feel like it was time to open up or do you feel like we, we we should have waited longer? Um, I think that we should have waited longer for sure, but I am not angry. I mean, I understand like the economic, um, the economic burden that this virus has caused and the amount of people who are suffering more than the people, like there are people who of course suffered because of the virus but there's people who are suffering 
um, economically that like I, I'm not really seeing firsthand because I'm not like in those I'm not in charge of those small bus- businesses but I'm sure like I've heard a lot of stories about several small businesses being um, completely what's that word like shuttered closed. yeah yeah because mm-hmm. of this so I I can understand the hard decisions that Governor Kemp had to make mm-hmm. um I still think it should have gone a little bit longer. Um, And I haven't really been, honestly, I haven't really been looking at all the statistics of the, how COVID has been affected in Georgia, because I just realized like the more that I look up and the more news that I hear, the more I don't want to go into work. (laughs) And I don't, and also like, sometimes I don't believe in certain things that are being said. So I just, I just do my job and like, try to do it well but um yeah i i feel like it should have gone longer but i also understand his decision in the sense that like he's trying to manage the heartache and the burden that has been um that many people have been affected by but also trying to figure out a way to make sure things are safe safe for so safe for our state Mm -hmm. um in terms of like making sure there are no gatherings and um, still like bars and open areas and things like that are, um, or like small spaces are not being crowded and things like that. So, I mean, I understand his decision, but I don't necessarily agree with his decision. Gotcha. Gotcha. Have you, in your unit, you haven't seen an increase in patients yet, right? Or have you? Since, um, since the opening. It's kind of hard to tell because, because, because we have four units, mm-hmm. um, there it's kind of like constantly going out, going in and out in waves. Because we, like I said, we typically get the dialysis patients. Um, so it's kind of hard to tell, but I haven't really seen a huge decrease or a huge increase in any way. It's kind of been the mm-hmm. same for the past like two months. It was really bad in the beginning because we were the only unit. So our, our unit was constantly full all the time. Um, and then once those other units opened up, we, it was like half of our unit was full. Um, and it's been like that for several weeks now. Gotcha. Wow. So then, let me ask you a, a kind of a lighthearted question. What is the first thing you want to do once all of this is over? Let's say, you know, the cases start dying out. Let's say we get a vaccine and you can go out and freely hang out with people, do whatever you want. What's the first thing you want to do? I want to go to 770 with Junie and Jane. <laughs> oh, 770. For those of you guys who don't know, it's a Korean barbecue spot. Really good. Yeah. We joke around about it all the time because it's like our favorite double date spot. Mm. Um, but it's literally the best. <laughs> like yeah. every time we go, it's like everything in my body is satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because most restaurants, you can do takeout, but yeah. you can't really take out 770 because you have you to... You really can't. Yeah, you have to grill the meat on their charcoal grills and all that. So Exactly. Oh, that's, that's a good one, yeah. Yeah. Or... And, and, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, or go to a coffee shop by myself and, like, just watch people... Like, I love going to the coffee shop and, like, journaling and meditating and, like, reading. Mm -hmm. Um, But the reason why I love going to coffee shops is because I'm, like, very... I become awake to stimulation. Like, I am... I'm definitely an extrovert in that way in the sense that, like, I become more alive when I see people, like, in their busyness and I see people, like, active and things like that. So just being in a coffee shop, watching people be active and, like me being active in my mind and my body and my soul and just like meditating and yeah i would love to do that <laughs> do you have any uh any words or anything you want to share with people that have been supporting you guys as in like i don't know if you could send a word to i don't know someone who gave you something really nice um while you were working as at saint joseph's yeah. Is there, well, what would you tell them? I would tell them that it has completely shifted the way that I enter into my day. 
because mm. I know that despite the sacrifice, which honestly it doesn't feel like that big of a sacrifice to me because Georgia isn't being hit as nearly as bad as New York. Um, and yeah. we definitely are being like supported by our, um, by our chief nursing director, um, chief nursing officer and, um, our acute care specialty director and all of our bosses and everything managers. Um, it, but when people show their support and give us free food <laughs> and give us fab- fabric masks and, um, continue to support us, it just, it gives us that much more like courage and that much more energy to get through the rest of the day. Like, we, as a team, become even more unified because we're happy over one thing together, if that makes sense. Like, wow. we get to be joyful about one thing together. And um, I've seen my team be, like, crumbling in pieces and then someone bring in something and we're all like, let's all go to the break room, have a donut, <laughs> and go back out there. Like, it, it really just gives us that boost of energy that is so necessary when you have a 12-hour shift. And for me personally, like one thing that I've realized for the past like couple months is that I have an overwhelming amount of gratitude for the people who, for just like my life in general and f- for the community and the friendships that I have. Um, and like having a heart of gratitude can combat any kind of anxiety because in anxiety, like, you feel a lack in your soul. Like you feel like this um, place of like you can't, you have like you're out of control almost. And this like fear that overwhelms you. But I feel like when we're able to have gratitude and thankfulness, um, it's it's like an easy weapon to kill off anxiety as like immediately. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, all that to say, like I'm just super grateful and you guys are the best. Everyone is the best. Everyone's that's, so good. That's awesome. Yeah. So to to anyone, you know, wondering, I mean, what will a meal do? That's what a meal can do. That That's the effect that a single meal for of, of encouragement. It doesn't even have to be a meal. Selena said a donut. Yeah. By the way, that that uh that bacon donut that you had on your Instagram not that long ago. So that good. So good. Yeah. <laughs> But something like that, it, it can, um, yeah, like brighten a whole, whole group of people's days, especially people who are, I mean, specifically a group that is, you know, fighting for our safety on the front line. So if you're considering it, if you're thinking about it, I, I would say go ahead and do it because uh, you now know that it will have a tremendously positive effect. And yeah, showing appreciation for people doing the things that we definitely don't want to be doing. I think it's uh, it's always a good thing to do um it, we're almost at the hour mark um any last thoughts or words that you want to share selena um stay safe i am just i'm ready for this to be over and i know that people are itching for this to be over but um yeah i feel like keep connecting with people don't isolate yourself um keep maintaining your community and catch up with your friends during this time Um, just take advantage of this time like I as much as like you know how people are working from home and I can't really work from home it's still like I still have so much time to rest because I'm not like spending all my time hanging out with people or doing school work or whatever but I have so much time to rest and it's been so it's been such a special season Mm -hmm. and um and connor is like constantly asking me to not not put this pressure on myself to be extra productive but at the same time like i do want to take advantage of this time as much as possible so yeah i just i just want to share that like this season is so special and i think that even though there's so much darkness around it there's also a lot of opportunity around it too yeah and I, I will say I kind of agree with Connor in the sense that, of course, being productive is great, but I think you should realize that you, you are doing extra, you know, at work. It, it's not just a regular day at work for you. Um, you're right. You're right. You're right. So don't. Yeah. Don't forget your mental health and just, yeah, just relax and, you know, re-energize at home. 
because you you are running a marathon, right? Because well, I, at my work, we always talk about uh, COVID nineteen, how it's impacting us financially, and our CEO always says this. He says, "Hey guys, this isn't a marathon because I'm in a marathon, and you'll know this. In a marathon, you know the distance that you have to run." Yeah. Right. So like it's it's easier when you know oh I only have a mile left to go so like it it gives you that extra bit but because we don't know the distance that we're running yeah um, it's a totally different thing mentally so I would encourage you to you know yeah stay home relax and don't uh, don't put that extra pressure on yourself to to be more productive because you are doing plenty Selena. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, um, if you have any questions or if you have any thoughts, uh, with regards to what we talked about with Selena today, please feel free to email me any questions or any any thoughts at ishthdpodcast at gmail.com or message me on Twitter at I hope they hear this. Oh, sorry, message me on Instagram at I hope they hear this, and on Twitter at ishthdpodcast. And please, please, if you yeah, if you are appreciative of our frontline workers, please, I, I think even a simple message of appreciation to Selena would go a long way. So um, if you want to send it to me, I, I'll more than gladly relay it to Selena or um, check check us out on Instagram and I will have Selena tagged on this post. So you can message her directly if you want. Um, yeah, she is a warrior. We are very lucky to have her. So yeah. <laughs> If you if you feel the urge and the need to do so, please don't fight it. Well, Selena, thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for your insights. And yeah, thank yeah, you thank, so much for having me. And yeah, m- most importantly, thank you for what you do because really, without you, we would all be sick and dying. And oh, for sure. Our, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, th- thank you guys for listening, and I w- we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Wait, 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 because. After the original recording, Selena and I were talking and she realized that she forgot to tell a really interesting nursing story. Um, She claims it's one of the worst days she's ever had. And so, yeah, she recorded it on her phone, sent me the audio clip. And so you guys get some bonus footage, bonus audio footage today. Yeah, so take a listen. So I wanted to add on this portion to the podcast because it was probably one of the craziest endings to my day and one of the worst work days that I've ever had. But basically what happened was it was the end of my shift and I had this patient who was um, like 300 pounds and he was getting, he was finishing up dialysis and with dialysis, you have to connect the port to a water source and in our rooms we have this water source but it has a lot of pressure and the dialysis nurse couldn't figure out how to take the port off without the water spewing everywhere and she pulled it off and the water started spewing all over the room and it flooded it started flooding the room and she was calling out for me to help her and Um, we started using trash bags or trash, huge trash bins in order to collect the water because it was so, um, there was so much water and our shoes started getting soaked. Um, I was in my full PPE. I was covered head to toe. Um, but it started soaking through my, um, it started soaking through my scrubs. And then after we called the engineering team to come and help us, and they couldn't even figure it out. It was like 30 minutes before we could figure out how to turn off the water. Um, they had to get some kind of wrench in order to turn it off. But it was so bad that I was soaked literally from like my top to my bottom and then my all my, my entire my shoes and my socks. And then my patient calls for me and he's like, Selena, I just had diarrhea all over my bed. And I check him out and it's literally the whole bed is covered in poop. And he is a full assist, which means that he can't turn. He can't move. He's a 300 pound guy. I'm in there by myself. The dialysis nurse left. The door is wide open and everyone can see him. I pull off his gown. He's completely naked. And then I'm like, screaming not screaming I'm like yelling at the other nurses to cut to 
help me because I can't do this on my own. And they're all doing shift reports, so there's no one out in the hallways. So I eventually um, found one of the nurse techs to come help me, and she gowns up, and um, we were actually about to transfer him to another unit. And um, so it was good that he had a place to go um, once we got him all cleaned up. But we were in that room for like, 45 minutes to an hour cleaning him up, cleaning his bed, and I was soaked in water. And I was, I swear, I thought I was going to start crying because I couldn't believe what was happening. <laughs> and then I whispered in his ear right before we started cleaning him up. I said, there are no visitors here. Um, and the only people that are outside are some nurses and I promise they're not even paying attention because he was going to be completely naked and exposed in front of everybody. Um, I think it was just, it was just a heightened situation for me because I was already really tired. It was the end of my shift and I was trying to go home and that's when I'm the most anxious and the most like ready to go. And um, eventually we got him all cleaned up and engineering has this like water sucker that, so they were getting the room unflooded um, and then more nurses started to notice that there was literally a flood going on and they were helping me. So it all ended okay. And I got a pair of scrubs to change, to go home in. And, um, I actually had extra shoes and then, um, I stole some socks from our, uh, patient inventory. So thankfully it all ended okay. And I went home and my nursing friend waited till I was all ready to go to. So we, both left at like 8.30, which is an hour and a half, or about an hour um, after I normally leave. So yeah, that's, uh, it's definitely not fun to do all that when, you're, when your patient has COVID. And um, I was scared that I was gonna get COVID that day because I got soaked in all that water, but what can you do? Gotta help your patient. And the, and the thing that I really love about this story is not only do I just enjoy a good crazy nurse story, um, I, I think I ask Selena for one every time she's on the podcast, but it's just a glimpse into what kind of person nurses are or what kind of people nurses are. Um, even though she was having one of the worst days of her career, she didn't let that blind her to the fact that her patients needed her help and even needed dignity, right? It wasn't just, I'm just going to do what I need to do to keep you safe and, um, healthy but she went beyond that and said i need to protect the dignity of this person as well so yeah i don't know i i I think this yeah it, it just makes me think that nurses aren't as appreciated as they should be and if you're listening and you've come to realize how awesome nurses like selena are um even if you don't know selena i think you should give her yeah, some words of encouragement. Um, message her, tell her that you think she's awesome. And if you know any nurse friends or have any nurse friends, then you should go tell them too. Because, yeah, like the sign-off on the episode, the main part of the episode, we definitely need them. So, again, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed that little bonus segment.